CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. We always are, and we sincerely mean that. We always look forward to this every weekday afternoon. We're live. We come to you answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at uh, what's going on in the world from a, from a biblical worldview rather than a secular worldview. And also what we hear in church is that even in the Bible at all, if you've got a question, Again, please call us 8888-ASK-CSN. Maybe you've been reading your Bible, you come across something you don't understand, or something that you thought about and you can't remember where you found it. Hey, give us a call. That's why we're here to help you each and every weekday afternoon. Also want to just once again invite you to church this Sunday, uh, as we do have church on Sunday. Everybody that comes gets the movie Jesus, and we also have a Christmas Eve service at 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, and we just want to invite you to come and, and understand why God stepped out of eternity into time and walked with man that he created. Incredible story for you. And then Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, as we look at the life and the purpose of why Jesus came, he was born to die for you and me. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker that comes on after to every man and after, Jeff Wickwire with Livewire. And uh, Jeff, hi and welcome. Hello, Mike. Good to be with you today. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great show. I know you've had a couple of good shows this week so far. Great questions. And I'm looking forward to some good ones. I'm, I love the Word of God, as I know our listeners do. And boy, if there was ever a time that we need to be in the Word of God being encouraged by it, strengthened by it, our faith built in it, uh, and understanding it, and really rooted and grounded in the truth that is found in the scriptures, it's today. We're living in very dark times, very confusing times. And I mean, Mike, confusing times. People don't even know what gender they are. There's such confusion. And so the one thing that is not confusing is God's word. So looking forward to a great show today. Amen. Looking forward to that. And so, Jeff, at uh, uh, Turning Point Church there in Fort Worth, uh, Christmas Eve service, Sunday morning service, tell us. Well, you got the jump on me there. We're not meeting Sunday morning. We're meeting Saturday night for a candlelight service. We do this every every year, and it's always packed. And, uh, you know, Mike, we had to give up using real candles a few years ago, so we use iPhones. Everybody lights up their iPhone. We kill all the uh, the house lights, and it's just an amazing sight to see all of those lights. And I tell them every year, Jesus said, you're the light of the world, and this is what the church ought to look like, shining in the dark. And so we do this every year. We uh, sing some Christmas carols and worship the Lord, and then we let everybody go off to their own uh, Christmas Eve with family and friends. And Sunday morning, Mike, I, I, you got the jump on me. I'm not doing Sunday morning. Uh, we encourage everybody to stay with their family. And, uh, so we're just going to take the, the day off and have Christmas on Sunday morning. But Saturday night, six o'clock, Christmas Eve, candlelight service at Turning Point, 
on Garden Acres and 35 South in Fort Worth, Texas, where, by the way, tomorrow, Mike, it's supposed to be 12 degrees. Wow. 12 degrees. For everybody. Is that global warming. Yes, I, I know it. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Uh, just to remind everybody, no matter where you're at, this big blast of cold air, be sure to let your faucets drip so your pipes don't freeze. And don't forget to let the hot water drip, too, just a little bit, because you can uh, you can have your cold water working. But if you forget to leave the hot water dripping, uh, that will that's a separate line and it'll freeze and break up on you. So anywhere you've got water uh, um, uh, with adjacent walls to the outside of your house, you want to be sure to let that drip, whether bathrooms or whatever, washrooms, things like that. Because uh, especially in, in the South, a lot of people put um, their uh, pipes in the attic. Um, and um, it really gets cold in the attic. Uh, so you gotta you gotta be real careful of that. But just to remind you of that, again, six o'clock at Turning Point Church Christmas Eve, seven o'clock mm-hmm. in Twin Falls, Idaho Christmas Eve, and then Sunday morning at ten o'clock, and then after service, we're gonna have pancakes. So we're looking forward now, to Mike, that. L- l- let me be clear. Now you're actually teaching on Sunday morning. Yes, on Christmas morning. Of course. Well, good for you. Yeah, I- I'm feeling convicted. I, I'm, you're you're convicting me. Well, you know, we we never ever I've, I've never ever not had Christmas service on Christmas Day. Now I know it only comes once every seven years where it falls on a Sunday, but um, you know I I just think it's a good time for God's family to get together and visit with each other, and a lot of people exchange presents on Sunday morning here at church and things like that. And like I say, we've got a present for everybody that comes. We've got the movie Jesus that we're giving everybody the uh, Genesis Project. Um, And uh, it's really great, completely based in the book of Luke. And so everybody gets one of those, whether you come Sunday night or or Christmas Eve, uh, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday morning or Saturday night, you get a a movie. So it's always good, but uh, we just want to make sure that uh, everybody has a place to go on Christmas. So it's so important. Well, let's go to the phones. 8888. Ask CSN is the number to call to be on. We have a couple lines open. Let's go to Dale, New Mexico. Hi, welcome. Hello, Pastor. Um, I'll try not to make this long and confusing, but I'm curious, say, for instance, um, Catholics, okay, they're raised a certain way uh, in the church, you know, um, uh, the Virgin Mary is who they pray to and stuff. So I'm just curious, With um, do you think that the Lord will, at some point, um, let them know that the true salvation is through Jesus Christ, not the Virgin Mary, and, and that they would have a chance to, I guess, change their thoughts, their feelings from what they were raised with for so many years? I, I have a lot of Catholic friends, and truly love the Lord, and but they believe that way. Well, you know, I, all I can tell you is, for myself, I was raised in a church when I was a kid that didn't believe in any miracles uh, from God. Um, the miracles ceased with the apostles, uh, and and um, so um, I guess you, yes, you can take it with you when you go, and the apostles did. However, I would read on my own. And as I would read on my own, and the Bible says, when you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I continue to seek God. 
and, 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 and I began to realize that there was a real contradiction between what my, what my church was teaching was what the Bible said. The Bible says in John uh, in uh, uh, in Hebrews thirteen eight that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And since the miracles did not begin in Acts chapter two, but they are all the way through the Old Testament, uh, why would they end in the last chapter of the book of Acts? It doesn't make any sense. So I realized, though I loved my church, I I, I loved those people. I realized that they were wrong. And when I told them, I said, I believe that miracles are for today. They didn't start in Acts chapter 2. They're all the way through the Bible. They they said, no, you're wrong. And I just, rather than cause a problem, I just left. And, you know, know, the the church was kind of dead. And I I think you can offend the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe that, again, God is in the miracle working business as much today as he's ever been. I believe when you're close to God, you see the miracles. I believe when you're distant from God, you don't. Uh, and uh, again, uh, I, I really believe that that um, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was doing miracles then, he's doing them today. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Dale, in answer to your question about the will they be told by the Lord that, uh, for instance, Mormonism is false or Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever, um, you know, the scripture is so clear on this that the gospel of Christ or the reality of Christ is veiled to those who are perishing. And then Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. He says, whose minds, now this is really a sinister thing the devil does. It says, whose minds the God of this world has blinded. So in their thinking, in their minds, where you conceptualize things, think through things, realize things, connect dots, add things up, uh, and come to a conclusion, they come to wrong conclusions because the God of this world has blinded their minds. And one way he blinds the minds of unbelievers is through the cults. They are blinded. And it says the God of this world is the one that does it. So Satan, the liar, the deceiver, the murderer, um, is, is the blinder of those that are lost. So it brings me to why we're we're here, for instance, right now, and to every man an answer, uh, talking to much of the country, uh, answering Bible questions. Because the Bible says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him um, who they, of whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? So it is incumbent upon the church of Jesus Christ. I think, wow, more than any time in my lifetime, the need is here for the church to stand up and boldly declare the truth of the scriptures, the gospel of Christ, and to expose these cults, these wrong belief systems that carry people straight into hell. So my answer to you, Dale, would be, uh, yes, God can talk to them, but I think that's where we come in. We've got to share the truth. And when you share the truth from the word of God, it is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and intents and hidden motivations of the heart. And I would add, it, it clears out the cobwebs of deception. So we've really got to be sharing the truth. And so I would encourage you, 
these people that are in your orbit um, that are messed up in Mormonism or, or whatever, um, Catholicism, a lot of the false beliefs of Catholicism, share the word with them. Just be bold. Say, you know, let me show you something here. And it's not hard to find the gross errors that are in Mormonism and Catholicism and other belief systems that have not sprung from the Bible. So I, that's what I would suggest, Dale, that you you and the church, everybody listening to me, we really need to be standing up these days, lights of the world, salt of the earth, and in love, share the truth of the scriptures. Yeah, you got to remember that uh, the, the early church was sharing Jesus with the, the Jewish uh, uh, believers, or maybe I should say the Jewish sect, the, the Judaism, um, uh, because th- they did not realize that it isn't the bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats that has your sins forgiven. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. Uh, not not uh, Mary, a co-redemptress, or anything like that. That's another gospel that Paul warns about and says, don't, don't believe him. And so we have to be very, very careful. And you're not going to be popular if you really stand up for what the Bible says. You know, I, I, I believe a lot of times people try to be all-encompassing and loved by everybody. But if you really tell people the truth, you're not. And if you read what happened to Stephen when he stood up to the Sanhedrin and the council concerning Jesus. Uh, they were, they, they went into rage. They were, they were that, they were that angry with him. So we're not called to be loved by everyone. We're, we're called to teach people what the word of God says to preach the gospel. And by doing so, you're going to be the fragrance to some, The Bible says the fragrance of life to some and the stench of death to others. And so you've got to understand that we are in a very much a war, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, The principalities of darkness are running wild right now. And I believe as the days ebb closer to Jesus taking the church home, I believe that we're seeing more and more of the onslaught of the powers of darkness because unfortunately so many Christians don't know what it really means to be saved. There is no other name under heaven which man can be saved. It isn't just believe in, in your religion uh, really a lot, and God will somehow kind of count it as kudos to you, and okay, give this guy a pass. He was really a religious person. That ain't going to buy anybody anything on Judgment Day. The Bible warns about those coming and preaching another Jesus. So when you hear somebody say, well, Satan or Lucifer is the half-brother of Jesus, run. When you hear that you can pray to Mary or Jesus or even one of the saints, you can get your sins forgiven, run. That's not in the Bible. That's not in a Catholic Bible. This is all stuff that's made up, and we got to be very careful. Again, Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I hope that helps. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Stay online. I'll send you some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy the movie Jesus. I know you'll really appreciate as well, Dale. Use them for evangelism. They're yours. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Lynette in California. Hi, welcome. Um, yes, a couple of questions. One is this summer, um, our church 
had a Sunday where they had the children come to church in swimming suits so that they could go have a water balloon fight, and that was a Sunday morning. And um, and then now they're having a pajama day for um, on Christmas Day. They, they can wear their kids to their, their pajamas to church on Sunday morning um, for church. And so that was one. And and um, I, I don't think that's proper. And the second one is is that our pastor teaches quite often that we're living in the kingdom now. Um, he believes in the second coming, not the rapture. And I'm very strong about the rapture, but um, I, you know I'm not going to argue that with. Them, but um, but he it keeps saying that we're living in the kingdom now, and I'm wondering how do how do I answer that? Tell him to read the newspaper, man. I'll tell you, we are on rails. This world is headed for a judgment. We're not in the kingdom now. This is crazy stuff. But as far as kids and uh, pajamas on Christmas morning, I wish I'd have thought of that. I would have let the kids do that in our church. I know for many parents, just getting their kids to go to sleep on Christmas Eve is a big deal. Uh, but uh, your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I haven't heard your preacher. I don't know what his context is for kingdom now. Unless he's talking about, you know, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is in your midst or is among you or is within you. If he if he's referring to that, then I get it. Uh, but if yeah, he's yeah, kingdom now that, that the, you know, that, you know, the millennium is here or that we're somehow living in the fullness of the kingdom of God now, then Lord, please deliver me because I don't want, I don't want this kingdom now. Uh, because as, as Mike said, our world is extremely troubled as anything but kingdom now, unless again, he's talking about the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of God is in your midst. Uh, then I, I get it and I can go with that. So. Except well, she said she said that it, he wasn't he didn't believe in the rapture. I believe that was what. She oh, said. now the yeah now the rapture that's that that's a different thing altogether. Um, we probably get a question a day on this, or at least really often we get rapture questions, and uh, our response is always just simply Google difference between the rapture and the second coming, and you'll have at least eight to ten distinct differences between the two events, that they can't be the same thing. And if you just just Google it, instead of us you know, taking 10 minutes explaining it, uh, it would give you time to really read it and soak it in and maybe copy it and, and begin to share it with others, that uh, there, there's so many clear differences where they can't be the same, uh, the one and the same event. It, it's, it's very clear. But just give it, Google it or Bing it. I don't use Google. I use Bing. But whatever you use, uh, for a search engine, just do it, and you'll see all those differences, and it'll help you uh, to really see uh, the different, the distinct differences between those two events. Amen. I hope that helps. Um, yes, I'm very familiar and educated in rapture things. I just didn't, um, I just didn't know how to answer that the kingdom of God is now. And you answered that for me. Thank you. And what do you think about swimsuits wearing swimsuits to church? Um, I would probably have a little trouble with that. Um, just, just that I don't have a problem really with with pajamas on Christmas morning. I, I, I don't. But I, I do think that that um, you know I, I think. Well, it says in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, let everything be done decently in order in the church. And I, I think you know, kids wearing 
close is probably a pretty good idea. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I, I would say also, Lynette, if if we had been asked this question 50 years ago, um, it may have still been a little bit of a, eh, not so sure, but the day we live in now where pedophilia is yes. literally a problem. just everywhere, uh, we're in such a corrupt culture, we have undergone such moral de- degeneration. Uh, every single day, it seems you read something in the news about uh, pedophilia happening here or there and children being abused. So um, these days, I would be extra cautious to not give any kind of, I don't know, uh, whistle or um, cause of stumbling for anybody struggling with anything, because we are really in a morally degenerate culture that I think calls for a lot of wisdom. Amen. And and so, um, you know, pajamas for kids Christmas morning, uh, that doesn't bother me. But I, I think kids need to have clothes on when they're in church or, for that matter, anywhere in public. So I hope that helps. All right. Yes, it did. Thank you. God bless you, dear. Stay on the line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy the movie Jesus. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Jody, Wisconsin. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, I'm actually just calling. Just I think it might be a silly question. I just don't know the difference, and there may may not be any significance. When um, Christ was spoken of in his coming in the Old Testament, it was always referred to that his name would be Emmanuel, mm-hmm. God with us. And then we go to the Gospels, and um, we read, he is called Jesus, which is, you know, Savior of the world. Is there a significance to the difference, um, and did the Jewish people not recognize him because they were looking literally for someone named Emmanuel coming? They were looking for somebody to break the Roman government off their backs. You see, they didn't realize the problem with Israel, as it had been almost from the very inception, they had a spiritual problem. When Jesus came in on that Palm Sunday, the first place he went was to the temple. It was their day. It was their day of coronating their king. King Jesus came. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. As they laid the palm branches down, the first place he goes is into the temple. He cleans and clears the temple of the money changers. And then the Bible says he taught the people. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, were outraged over this. And this is the the, uh, escalation that finally uh, they trumped up the charges to have him crucified. Now, when we look at this, the reason why Jesus went into, as their king on that Sunday, the reason he went into the temple, because their problem was not a governmental problem, Their problem was a spiritual problem. And until the spiritual problem is fixed, thus he taught the people, the rest of it is secondary. I believe this is why Jesus, when he came in on that Palm Sunday, didn't go down to where Herod was living, kick the doors down and say, okay, buddy, I'm taking over now. You're out of here. No, he went into the temple because Israel was sick spiritually. Even John said this. This is what made John the Baptist ministry so unusual. 
Because in order to become a convert to Judaism, you would renounce your pagan deity, you would embrace Yahweh as your God, and then you would take a ceremonial washing, a baptism. Well, John came to the Jewish nation saying, you, Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. That was radical. Because, you see, they thought they inherited their spirituality from our father Abraham, as they so often would tell Jesus, or Moses taught us. Not what do you believe about God, but that they thought that they inherited their spirituality from their lineage. Well, again, Jesus goes into the temple and teaches the people. Now, Matthew chapter 1, it says, And he shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. But the Pharisees didn't want to hear that. In fact, if you go to John eight fifty eight, when Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am, Eagle Amini in the Greek, comes across exactly the same in the Old Testament when Moses said, Who shall I tell the Jewish nation? sent me. And God said, tell him the I am sent you out of the burning bush. Well, when they heard this in John eight fifty nine, it says they picked up stones to stone him because claiming to be God was a capital offense. In other words, it required your death because you claimed to be God. Yet he shall be called Emmanuel. They missed it all the way around. And Jeff, earlier you talked about that spiritual blindness. Tell us more. Yeah, uh, it's important to note here, Jody, that uh, Mike already quoted part of it. But when the angel appeared to Joseph and said, look, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is literally of the Holy Spirit, um, a miraculous conception, not an immaculate conception, because that means that Mary had no sin. And that's a Catholic doctrine, but a miraculous conception for sure. And then he said, and you, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Then Matthew goes on, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So what the angel was telling uh, Joseph is the Old Testament prediction of Messiah coming, who would be literally God with us, is fulfilled in the one that will be called Jesus. And the angel is simply emphasizing the New Testament truth that he's coming to save us from our sin. In the Old Testament, they anticipated him. But in the New Testament, it said, all right, he's he's about to be conceived, and he's going to save you from your sins. So it's a little bit different emphasis in the New Testament. Mike? Hope that helps, Jody. If it doesn't, stay in line. We'll come back to you after the break. Otherwise, we'll send you out books and DVDs. We're coming up on that break, and we'll be back for more right after this. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, 
They'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE, 855-91-BIBLE. It all came down to the ultrasound, and I saw this little lima bean-looking thing with a halo, which I thought was incredible. A baby wasn't really in the plan for this young mom. After seeing a halo on her baby on an ultrasound at a preborn center, she was still leaning towards abortion. And I got to hear the heartbeat, and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, helping to save babies' lives and souls. To learn more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. My choice to become a mom and hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning is all because I had an ultrasound. It saved my life and hers. back to part two of Jeremy Man Answer here on this Christmas week on this Wednesday. Jeff Wickwire in Turning Point Church, Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Mike Kessler in Twin Falls, Idaho. We're going to go to the phones, back to the phones. We have Joe on the line, El Paso, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for getting my call. Hi. How may we help? Yes, I have a question. Uh, my mom said that uh, the Catholics, that the only way you can forgive your sins is by uh, by a priest. And and the, the priest has to say you have to say six Hail Marys for you to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Is it true or not? That is not true in any way, shape, or form. It's not found in a Catholic Bible. It's not found in any Protestant Bible. The Bible clearly says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's not a Catholic priest, a pope, a bishop, a pastor. It says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. That's who we confess to. That's who we have, everything we have to do with is to him. Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he, that is capital H, the Lord Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The whole thing of having to confess to a priest is is Catholic uh, doctrine from way back where they elevated the priesthood and and all the way to the Pope being the vicar of Christ and what he says is inerrant and as if God had spoken all of this stuff. It's not in the Bible. The Bible says we are to go directly to Christ and say, forgive me. You know, I I messed up. I sinned, said something, did something, thought something I shouldn't have. So Lord, please forgive me. And he, singular, capital H, again, uh, is faithful and just, and can be counted on to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So no, Joe, you don't have to go through all of that, uh, because what would you do if, let's say, you were, uh, you know, stuck out in the middle of some desert or some wilderness and and couldn't get to a priest and you sinned, 
are you supposed to just live in guilt and believe you're going to go to hell and live in that the torment of of that? Or can you just right there in the middle of nowhere look straight up to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me? Yes, you can. So wherever you are and whatever the context, go to Christ and he will always forgive you. And we find this uh, exemplified in Acts chapter 2. Men and brethren, what shall we do? He says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You didn't go through a pastor, a priest, a bishop, an elder. You didn't go through a a president. You didn't go through a pope. You just go right directly. You'll never find in the scripture, say, um, say, uh, uh, six Hail Marys or, or five Hail Marys. Not in the Bible, not in the Catholic Bible. This is all oral tradition that is passed off as scripture that is not. Because what they're saying counterdicts the written word of God. And Jesus said this, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God does not counterdict himself. When it says that we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, he said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father which art in heaven. He didn't say, oh, Mr. Priest, uh, take my prayer to, to, to God for me. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father which art in heaven. It's a blueprint. He said, when you pray, pray in this manner. This is the blueprint, not a prayer to be repeated mindlessly hour after hour, thousands of times in some way to appease God. He said, don't be like the heathens that think they're going to be heard by God for their much speaking. But you know, when you pray, God hears what you say from your heart. And that's the relationship God wants to have with us a father-to-child relationship. Oh, but everybody, religion always junks that up, doesn't it? You got to go through your church membership. You got to go through a priest. You got to jump through these hoops. You got to go door-to-door. You got to sell flowers in airports. You got to burn incense. And the list goes on and on and on when all God wants from you and me is where we just go, Daddy, that's what God wants. Oh, man, I'll tell you, changes the whole picture of Christmas, don't it? When we just go, God, thank you for who you are. I love you. And I didn't have to go through any man again. There's only one mediator, only one go-between between the Father and us, and that's Christ Jesus. Hope that helps. Yes, thank you. Stay online, Joe. I'll send you out a little book called Time to Grow. It'll really help you, as well as all the DVDs and the movie Jesus right straight out of the book of Luke. I know you'll enjoy it. Stay on the line. We'll get that sent out to you. And as for everybody, everybody needs to know that. I promise we will never use your address and send the God Squad to your house or, or you know, give it to some church organization. We don't do that. I'm not into scams. I'm not into money wallets. I'm not into selling people's addresses and all the other shenanigans that go on oftentimes in the Christian world. Nope, we just need that address to get you what we want to send you, and then we won't use it again. Oh, and we won't badger you endlessly every other day you get an envelope begging for money either. We don't do that either. I think it's so important we understand. So so often people go, I don't want to leave my address. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Just know that it that it's just going to get you the thing sent to you, and we won't use it again, just to let you know. Joe, stay in line. We'll get you taken care of, okay? Thank you very much. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Let's go to Ty, Portland, Oregon. Hi, welcome. 
Good evening, gentlemen. Hi. Um, so, hi. Um, so my my question basically is, um, from my understanding, Old Testament saints didn't get baptized. Um, we're all familiar with people on the cross. But you have like Abraham who saw the day of the Lord and was counted to him as righteousness. I mean, Elijah, Enoch, Moses, David. Uh, none of them were baptized as far as I know. Um, no. I understand we're saved by uh, uh, faith through grace and uh, – or uh, saved through gr- by faith through grace. Um, but I hear arguments that uh, baptism is required for salvation, um, which to me would make it a, a works-based faith. Um, and the, those people that argue that uh, always say things like uh, uh, Jesus was baptized and he didn't receive the Holy Spirit until he was baptized. Um, and so we well, that's to, that's uh, error. That's, that's heresy. Jesus uh, uh, was fully endowed with the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. In fact, when they couldn't find him when he was 12 years old in the book of Luke, uh, Mary finally caught up and Joseph caught up with him and said, where were you? We were worried about you. And he said, and they found him in the temple speaking with the, with the priests. And he and Jesus said, did you not know I would be about my father's business? So anybody that says that Jesus was not filled with the Spirit until he was baptized simply does not know how to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. They don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us, Matthew chapter 1. So very, very important that that you've seen that. Um, and Jesus said, unless a man is born of the water and the Spirit, he'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, interestingly enough, if you look at that, the whole picture of that, the context, oh, I know this is a new concept for a lot of cults, mm-hmm. but the context was they were, Nicodemus goes, do I got to go back into my mom? It was all about being born. When Jesus said, you have to be born again. The context is as you have a natural birth, the water breaks, out comes the baby. You have a spiritual birth in the same way. Now, unless a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, well, wouldn't you need to be born of the Spirit first, then be baptized if that's the way, if that's what that's talking about? You don't get baptized first and then become a believer. But that's the order in which it was written. That's why I believe because of the context and the order, Jesus is speaking about a natural birth. And just as dynamic as your birthday is, your spiritual birthday is exactly as dynamic. Your thoughts? Yeah, Jesus was baptized. You had mentioned that in the Old Testament it's not found. That's because what Jesus came to do for us is illustrated in water baptism. When I baptize somebody, for instance, I say buried with him uh, by baptism into his death, and I put them under the water. And then I say, raised to walk in the newness of life, and I bring them out. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away, and all has become new. So water baptism is an illustration of what happens to us on the inside, spiritually speaking, when we turn to Christ. Our old life is buried. It's gone. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. You're a new creation in Christ. You're not who you used to be. You have been born again. You have been supernaturally made new. So water baptism illustrates that. And uh, that's why Jesus uh, was baptized, because I think he was placing his seal of approval on what John was doing, the ministry of John. And it's also interesting that John was of the tribe of Levi. And Luke, in chapter 1, verse 5, makes it a point of letting us know 
he was a direct descendant of Aaron. Now, Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood, uh, what did the priesthood do? Well, they offered sacrifices to the Lord. Is it possible that John the Baptist, when he was baptizing Jesus, was uh, in the priestly line offering the ultimate sacrifice to the Lord? And then also at the water baptism, uh, we see the Trinity. And I think that's another reason Jesus did it is because there's hardly any better picture of the reality of the Trinity than that one. Because Jesus, the God, the son, uh, gets into the water and comes out and the spirit descends upon him like a dove, God, the spirit. And then a voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, God the Father. So you have God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three members of the Trinity involved in this one event. So it lets us know God is three in one. So several things about that water baptism that I think uh, are very important, and, and it's why Jesus submitted to it. Yes, and and also this is what began Jesus' earthly ministry. That was the the actual uh, significant point. And then right afterwards, he was led in the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted. But when we understand that Jesus uh, also, I believe, uh, did that for our example. Uh, I've had talked to yes. people that are Christians say, well, I, I believe, but I've never been baptized. Well, if it was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us. And the Bible also says, as Jesus came up out of the water. Now, I know some churches believe in just sprinkling people. Now, I got to tell you, if I was in a, and, and this actually happened to me on a Christmas Eve, probably uh, uh, 30 years ago, or 25 years, uh, 30 years ago, I did a Christmas Eve service at a retirement home in, in uh, Kimberly, Idaho. And when I, I gave the salvation message, and I said, if you'd like to put up your hand, a few uh, elderly people put up their hand. But this one lady put up her hand, and then after the service was over, their family came up to me and said, Grandma, put up her hand, accept the Lord. Grandma, put up her hand, accept the Lord. And I said, you mean she just didn't just do that? No. So I went over and talked to her, and she said, yeah, I, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Now, this lady is, is, I think she was like 93 or something. And her family just happened to be there as they went to uh, our church. And I remember this. And so anyway, we went back and, and she looks at me and she says, I want to be baptized. Now, you got to remember, Christmas Eve, uh, 93 years old, snowing outside. Mm. I'm going, God, what do you do here? And so I thought, well, I guess I'll, I'll be a Presbyterian. I, so I, 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 I asked for a glass of water. They gave me one. And I had my hand, and I was by the door, and I was just ready to dip my hand in the water and sprinkle it on her forehead. The orderly, the night orderly, normally just comes in. Nobody's in there. He comes busting in the room. The, the door hit my hand, or my, my elbow, and I dumped the entire <laughs> cup of water all over it. And I remember what she said. She goes, wow. And I thought, God, you've got a sense of humor. But the thing is, is that I believe that where a person can be baptized, they should be baptized. And again, it's by the authority. 
in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or in Jesus' name. In the name of means by the authority of God, we baptize anybody. I know there's different groups out there that get all hung up. Well, what name? What name? Denying that there's the Father and the Holy Spirit. They're saying there's just Jesus only. And the name of the Father is Jesus. Well, that is completely prohibited in scripture. Mm-hmm. John two twenty two says, he that denies the father and the son hath the spirit of antichrist. Better go read your Bible before you go stand, grandstand on that one. Very clearly, the Bible says, in the name of means by the authority of. And again, it's by God's authority we baptize people as Jesus taught us to teach people to repent and be baptized. That's what that's about. It's not all hung up on the name. What's what's important is in the name of means by the authority. If you're in a bank and somebody's robbing the bank, stop in the name of the law. In the name of means by the authority of the law. It's by God's authority we baptize somebody. But when you ask, why wasn't anybody in the Old Testament baptized? Well, they were. They had a ceremonial washing. To, if you converted from Judaism to uh, from pagan religions to Judaism, you took a ceremonial washing. The priests would wash their hands in the great bronze basin that was there in the temple. Uh, there was always this type of thing. And, and uh, 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 God, from the very beginning in Genesis, always used water to separate, whether it was the land masses, whether it was the heavens from the earth, or whether it was our sins. God used water, and it's an interesting thing why he uses that and separated the children of Israel's uh, um, wandering, uh, they're wandering in the wilderness from from going into the promised land as they passed through the Jordan River, or from their life of slavery as they went through the Red Sea into the, uh, the, on their way to the promised land. God used water all the way through the Bible. Any last thoughts? No, it's a great point, and Ty... You do not have to be water baptized to be saved. So many times people turn to Christ, prisoners. You know, if you were visiting a prisoner on death row, I know uh, several pastors who have led uh, death row prisoners to Christ. I've heard their testimonies. Uh, One led a serial killer to Christ uh, before the execution, and they can't get to water. And there's no way they turned to Christ and said, please forgive me. And Jesus said, well, you know, tough luck. You can't get to water, so sorry, uh, you're headed for hell. No, you're forgiven by the blood. The, but water baptism simply illustrates, and it is an act of obedience. It ought to be, as Mike said, if you can do it, you should do it, because it's an act of obedience uh, to the Lord Jesus, who said, be water baptized. But it does not save you. No, and and I think it's interesting when... Uh... Jesus was water baptized, obedience, uh, then the rest of his ministry followed. I believe that, again, when we're born again, we're water baptized, that's the first act of obedience, and then everything else comes. Mm -hmm. And I I believe there is an order. And so, hope that helps, Ty. Uh, Yes, um, thank you. You guys answered it marvelously. I was wondering, uh, while you guys were talking, there was another small question that came up, if I could ask real quick. Sure. Okay. with John being the uh, descendant of Aaron, and uh, so was his baptizing of Jesus signifying the end of the of the, uh, the Levit- uh, Levitical priesthood, and basically saying, um, "Here's your Savior, the ultimate priest." Well, because Jesus became our high priest, yes, and we have to understand that because uh, we don't go through priests anymore. 
Jesus is our priest. And that's very, very important that we understand that one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. Before, we'd go through a priest. You don't have to do that anymore. And and uh, Jeff, any last thoughts? Yeah, I don't think, Ty, that right then and there was the end of the priesthood. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. Yes, that's when that I believe That was the it. end. Yes. Yeah, that was it. It is finished. Well, what was it? Well, it was a lot of things. But one of them was for sure the end of the priesthood, the end of the Mosaic system. Uh, all of that was done away with by the shed blood of Christ. So when he said it's finished, that was the end of it. Hope that helps. Thank you. God bless you. Ty, stay on the line. We'll send you out some book DVDs. Let's go to John, Portland, Oregon. Pendleton, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Yes, um, I've talked to you guys before, and I'm 75 years old. I just thought I'd tell you, I never found the Lord in church. Never. Mm -hmm. I went to a mainstream congregational church. Never heard about salvation. But uh, the guy that you had on yesterday, his name was John. He's from the uh, southern Orange County. Yes. I was... I found the Lord at Newport Beach, California, in April of 66. Wow. And I remember Mm. those days very clearly. It was spring break, and I was just going down there to soak up some sun. And here are these guys from Campus Crusade for Christ, a great group, fantastic group. And we have followed them all these years. And we still get connections from them off and on. But uh, you don't have to find the Lord in church. I never found the Lord in church. In fact, it, it was like one day we went in, I was taught, teaching a Sunday school. And afterwards, I led a guy to the Lord in one of the Sunday school classes at that church. And I was told, in all uncertain terms, you never talk to the Lord Bring people with salvation in church. You've got to do that at home. Ooh, never that bad. Yeah, you're right. Well, John, you know, that's the problem. Um, you know, there was a song written years ago, since you're a product of the 60s, 70s. Uh, there was, um, uh, she's gone too far, she's lost the sun. One of the lines in there's too many churches, but not enough mm-hmm. truth to find. Man, if there was ever a statement that was true, that's it. Because what mm-hmm. people are being offered is religion rather than Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, in you, the hope of glory. And that's a big difference than selling people religion. Got to get out there, knock on doors, earn it. You got you to prove you're worthy. Well, the thing is, that's how churches control people. And that's what's so wrong with oftentimes what we call organized religion. Well, sometimes it is organized religion. Now, churches are organized, too. In fact, the early church was organized. It was organized to the point where, well, Paul told uh, the Corinthian church to put the guy out that was messing around with his mother-in-law out, out, out of the church. So it was organized that much. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the machine. And those are what you have to be careful of. These oftentimes denominations that started off as on fire and evangelical as anything we've ever seen. But after a few 50, 100 couple hundred years, there's cold, stone, dead. And if you do go in there and preach Jesus, John, they're going to say exactly what they said to you. You don't talk about Jesus in here. You do that at home. That's a tragedy that we see go on today. And unfortunately, Jesus talked about this in Revelation chapter 3, 
talking about the Laodicean church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is outside. He's knocking to get in. These churches have left Jesus out. They've embraced now their life coaches or, or motivational speakers, or they're, they're telling you how you can do it, baby. Just have a positive self-image of yourself. No, 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 no. That's from the pit. No longer I live, Paul said, but Christ who lives within me. Completely an opposite message of what most people want to hear, having itching ears today, that I have to die to myself? You mean it's no longer I get what I want? You mean Jesus ain't my heavenly Santa Claus? No, come to the cross and die and watch what God does as he resurrects your life with signs and wonders and power and miracles, just like in the Bible. You see, I've seen that. I know it's true. But you'll never do that. You can't serve two masters. Any last thoughts? Yeah, John, it's really unfortunate. It's it's sad to hear you say, I never found Jesus in church. That ought to be the number one place you would find him. Um, I believe, again, we're in a day where, as, as Mike said, um, most pulpits don't go there. They don't talk about sin. Don't talk about the cross. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about eternal consequences. No, it's just, you got it going on. You're all that in a bag of chips and, you know, God made you, you are incredible. You're wonderful. You're this and you're that. But, you know, the great English preacher, Charles Spurgeon said something I've never forgotten. He said, when I preach and he, he preached, he had a mega church before there were mega churches. And he said, my method is I open up my text and as quickly as I can, I make a beeline for the cross and I preach the cross. And Charles Spurgeon's messages both fed the flock and they won the loss. They would send his messages, uh, printed messages, uh, for instance, onto ships going out to sea. And the, and the sailors would be saved just reading his messages because he always went to the cross. He, he, he put the cross in there. And, you know, I thank God the last couple of weeks in my own church, we've seen around 20 people come to Christ, many of them first-time visitors, because I put the cross in there. And every preacher, I believe, should regularly, routinely put the cross, uh, the shed blood of Christ, and give people a chance to be saved. And uh, so it's very unfortunate, John, but thank, thankfully you did get saved. And I'm with you. I love Campus Crusade for Christ. Amen. Bill Bright. Great guys. Gave us the four spiritual laws and all that good stuff. Yeah, I talked to a friend that went to a modernist seminary school. And they said, open with a Bible verse, but move as quickly as you can away from the Bible. Oh, my. Wow. God help that's, us. That's where, where the problems are. We're out of time. And Jamie, Craig, Janet, please, and the rest, call us back tomorrow. You don't have to wait. We'll get right to your phone call first thing because you got some really good questions here. I'd like to talk to him about it. John, stay in line. Get you the, the package to you. Thanks, to Jeff, for being on. this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 